Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. streets to open plates we are under one name no one is lost but goes unseen because we're all loved by our king you believe come on this is nothing ordinary there is power in the name we carry come on every nation every time oh, welcome to the Don't wonder that we belong. We found our home in the Father's love. You believe? Come on. This is nothing ordinary. You say there is power in the name we carry. Every nation, every time. Welcome to the kingdom. You say all the rich, all the poor. Let a light of my arm about to let it shine. Hold up, wait. Hold up, wait. 
mama about to let it shine. Uh, bad and bougie. Never thought that he would choose me. Never thought that he would use me. Now I live every day like it's a movie. Uh, lights, camera, action. Oh, hold up, wait. They didn't know nothing ordinary about his ordinary people. Oh, used to be mad at myself. Now I just give it all God. It ain't hard. Do it off the top of the dome. Right here, I feel like I'm home. We gonna get back, back in the flow. I'ma show y'all I give him my soul. Give him my all. Give him my all. Give him my all. Here we go. Used to be active and nothing on accident. Now I am living for him. It was matching it. Everything that I give all of my passion. Need to give him my all. Give him all of my adequate. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you Come on, put your hands up I was breathing but not Alive All my failures I try To hide Come on, you say It was my tomb hey. Till I met you Oh, you call my name Into your glorious day, day, you call my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. Are you excited to be here? Now your mercy has saved my soul. You thankful? Now your freedom is all that I know. Hey, the old me knew it. Jesus, when I met you, what a day you called my name.
church, are you thankful that He's risen today? Come on, give it up for the Lord. I needed a rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the end. Let every burning heart be whole. 
every hand lifted all over this place this morning together just a corporate act of surrender lay it down at the cross lay it down at the feet of our king he breaks chains chains for fear bows here now Jesus you change everything lives come on Healed, hope found here now. Jesus, you change everything. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Couple of things. Obviously, we are really, really crowded. So we're, we're, we're honored that you're here. Um, but if you can, squeeze. If there is a chair in your row, let's try to tighten up. Evolve students, you can be dismissed now. That may free up a few more chairs. But we want to give, they said there's like 50 people standing in, like out there waiting. Uh, so we're going to try to get everybody in the best that we can. Um, and can you give yourselves a big hand? This is amazing. I mean, wow. We offered five services, and we still got one that this happened in, so just be patient with us. Greet somebody real quick. Let them know it's good to see them in God's house today before you take your seat. Let me just say, as they're uh, finding seats for everybody, um, getting packed in, this is our fourth service um, for Easter, 
And uh, we've already seen, I think, 18 people give their, no, that's not, 26 people have given their life to Jesus already. Yeah. So, these are the kind of problems you love, and now when you look out and see that steel uh, going up, you know why. Uh, God is blessing us here at Bethesda. Let me say, if this is your first time here at Bethesda Church, thank you so much for being with us. Um, Bethesda, aren't you glad that our guests decided to come do Easter with us? Thank you so much for being here. want to welcome you. want to welcome our online family as well. Thank you for tuning in. I want to turn everybody's attention real quick. There is a prayer card underneath your seat. Uh, if you would take just a moment to pick that prayer card up, and um, there's a pen there as well. I, this is a dual purpose, and I need everybody to participate for a couple of different reasons. Number one, we believe here at Bethesda Church in the power of prayer. We believe that prayer changes lives. There's, there's power in prayer, specifically prayer in agreement. And so we want you to jot down your prayer request. You'll be able to drop this in the offering bucket as it comes by. The second purpose for this card is that we had a lot of address changes when the 911 address change came out that we haven't corrected. So we want to take time here at Easter with everybody coming to church to make sure that we have your updated info. So name, address, phone number, and up-to-date email address, if you will take the time to fill that out, we would so appreciate that today. You can drop that in the offering bucket, and we would love uh, to get your information, but more than that, to pray for you and your needs couple of announcements as you're doing that. The first being this coming Wednesday night is first Wednesday here at Bethesda Church, uh, 7 o'clock. We have one Wednesday night service a month, and uh, it is the first Wednesday, so it's this coming Wednesday night. We would love to see you there. Uh, the other thing that I want to speak to you about, in, and I had originally intended to make this announcement for all the men, but I've learned that if I'll just speak this to the women, it'll go further. Um, and so you can take that for what it's worth, but I want to speak to the men on May the 18th and the 19th. There is a men's conference in Beckley, West Virginia at the iHeart Church. Uh, Pastor Brandon and Melody, they were here at Bethesda in February and they preached a message on relationships. Some of you were here. If you haven't heard that message, go back and hear it. Uh, but there is a men's conference May 18th and 19th starts at 5 PM with outdoor activities and food. Uh, at 7 o'clock, the service starts on both days. Uh, so 20 bucks to register. You can go online to iHeartChurchWV.org, get registered for $20. Uh, ladies, let me help you. Your men could use some more Jesus. All right, so get them to this men's conference. Get them signed up. Get them registered. Uh, would love to see Bethesda represent um, at, at this men's conference. So if you would do that, I would greatly appreciate it. At this point, though, let's go to the Lord in prayer as our ushers prepare to serve you. Father, we just thank you so much, God, for your goodness today, your mercy, your grace. God, we're so thankful for all the people, God, that are here. God, all the families represented. And God, we don't, even, we don't take this moment lightly, God. People have made a decision to come and do Easter with us here at Bethesda, God. And we're just praying that right now, God, that your presence would just fill our minds, fill our hearts, God, as as we give and sow into your work today, God, we're just asking that you would bless it, that you would multiply it. And God, more than anything else today, we pray that your name is lifted up. 
God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for what Resurrection Sunday means. And God, it's a joy to give today, and we just ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey there, and welcome to Bethesda. My name's Drew, and we are honored that you have joined us today. We have officially changed the name of Growth Track to Next Steps. This year, we are focusing on simplifying our processes and making it easier for you to connect with us and serve on our dream team. So if you are new to Bethesda and want to get connected, Next Steps is the place to be. Our upcoming Next Steps class is Sunday, April 29th at 10 a.m. Simply follow the signage to our new location above the B-Kids area. This is a one-time class that will give you everything you want to know about Bethesda Church and prepare you to serve on our dream team. Here at Bethesda, we believe circles are better than rows. This is why we are so excited about this semester's Connect Groups. We encourage you to grab a Connect Group guide and head on over to our website at BethesdaChurch.tv and sign up today. This semester, get connected and start sharing life with other people. Have you recently begun your relationship with Christ or just ready to take your next step in your faith? We encourage you to take your next step through water baptism. We'll be hosting a water baptism on April 15th during all of our weekend worship experiences. You can sign up today at BethesdaChurch.tv. We are so excited about our upcoming series, You Asked For It, beginning on Sunday, April 15th. This is a three-week series designed to answer some of the most frequently asked questions that we receive here at Bethesda Church. We often receive questions concerning the end times, forgiveness, finding God's will, and so much more. We will take a look at some of these issues in the light of God's word in an attempt to answer your questions. We believe this will be one of the best series that we will offer all year long. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We consider it an honor that you chose to join us at Bethesda. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv. We hope to see you again next week. Amen. Thank you so much for your giving. Let me welcome you once again. I know that some people are still coming in and finding seats, and we'll be patient with that. Uh, don't you appreciate our dream team trying so hard to accommodate everybody? Can you give them a big hand? Let me say, if, if you are a Dream Team member and you've already heard the sermon and you don't mind giving up your seat, that would be awesome. Um, so, um, are you glad to be here? Yeah. Amen. This was the one concern I had. I was like, we got five services, but I'm really nervous at 10 o'clock. We should put chairs out, like more chairs, like tuck them in anywhere, put them on the stage. Next year, we will do that. Well, maybe we won't have to in the new building, but maybe we will. We keep growing, right? Uh, so thank you so much for being here today. Uh, happy Easter to you and your family. I'm so excited about the message that I have to share with you today. We kicked off a brand new series last week entitled Empty. And the tagline for the series is simply, the tomb is empty so your life can be full. And the sad, th the sad thing about that is a lot of people are not living a full life, an abundant life. They are empty, even though they're following Jesus. Many people are still empty. They're just out of gas. And so last week we talked about how to lighten your load. Today I want to talk to you about how Jesus revitalizes your life, how he revitalizes your life. Um, the resurrection of Jesus is without a doubt the single most important event in history. And I can say that without any fear of contradiction this morning. Because every other event in history is dated by its relationship to the resurrection. This event is what split history into A.D. and B.C. 
We know that even the people who do not follow Jesus, like they don't believe in God, at the same time, they set their clocks, their calendars, and their schedule to this one event, which is why we're here today, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many know there's never been an event greater than Jesus conquering death, hell, and the grave, right? Like there's, there's never been an event greater than that. And so we celebrate this truth today, uh, and we know that Easter, the resurrection also proves Jesus was who he said that he was. Without Easter, without a resurrection, get this, there would be no forgiveness of sins, there would be no purpose in life, there would be no hope for heaven without a resurrection. But we know it's an important event, but the thing that surrounds the resurrection that I want to hit real quick the thing that's interesting and ironic is the followers of Jesus, the 12 that he had picked, who walked with him every single day for three and a half years, um, the moment Jesus was crucified and put to death, they fell apart. Like they scattered to the wind. Like they, they threw in the towel. They thought when Jesus died, it was all over. And... We know that from, a, from the story we're going to read, but we also know it that there was nobody at the tomb on resurrection morning. No one was there. Nobody had a party hat on saying, we know he's getting up. You know why? Nobody believed. They all believed that Jesus would do what most dead people do. Stay dead. Nobody, no one believed that he would get up. And so... They, their world fell apart because they're thinking, surely we're going to start this kingdom, we're going to overthrow the Roman Empire, and we're going to get this thing moving. And instead of that happening, that now they are seeing their leader, the Son of God, being crucified between two thieves, and they believe when he died, all their dreams, all their hopes also died. And so that's where the plot really thickens in this story is because three days later, Jesus not only got up on Easter morning, but he paid his followers. We know it's not 12 at this point. It's 11 because of what happened with Judas. But he paid them a little visit. And not only did he visit them, what happened in that, in that room this, this room that they found themselves in would forever change them. They, they moved from being cowards to being full of courage. They, they went from being empty to being empowered. They, they were ready to take on the world after this one encounter with Jesus. And the question we have to ask is, what happened in that room? How did their tank go from empty to full? And so with that being said... I got a little survey I need to take. How many people today that in your car, in your truck, whatever it is you drive, you don't let your gas tank go below like a half tank before you fill it up? Come on, where's those people at? Raise your hand. I need to see them. Look at these compulsive people. Man, the risk takers right there. Now, how many of you, you don't uh, go below a fourth of a tank? And you feel it. Come on, I need to see some hands. We're going to be here all day if you don't raise your hands and work with me. All right, okay. Now, how many people, let me, let me ask this. How many people, you wait until the light comes on? Look at all those hands. I love it. I love it. Now, I got another question about that. 
or not really quick, I'll just make a statement. Some of us, we think E means enough to keep going, right? <laughs> That's what it means. So my follow-up question is, how many of you have ever ran out of gas? Come on, if you've ever ran out of gas, raise that hand. Raise, not the brightest bunch, are we? <laughs> Spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking, many of us are out of gas. We're empty in the spiritual tank, the emotional tank, and Jesus wants to revitalize your life. And here's how we're going to do this today. His followers scattered when he died. He showed up in a room to minister to them, and he did seven things for them that I believe he wants to do in your life this weekend. I want, to, I want us to go to the story first, and let's look at this story from John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came, stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side... I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me and you have believed, blessed are, he said, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, I don't know what you've been through today, this week, this month, maybe even this year. Some of you, maybe this decade, maybe you've been through a lot of stuff and you arrive at this church that's way too crowded, but the truth is you arrived here empty. You arrived here ready to throw in the towel. You're, you're tired. You're worn out. You're fatigued. Have you ever been in that place where you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired? Like if you were being really vulnerable, uh, really honest this morning, that's probably what some of us would confess, that we're just we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I have good news for you today because Jesus ministered to his disciples. They are running on empty they have thrown in the towel. They're ready to quit. But he did seven things for them that changed them. And I believe he wants to do it for you. The first thing that he did is that he, he came to where they were. Jesus always meets you where you are. And this is important to understand because they're afraid that the authorities might connect them to Jesus. And they end up crucified just like Jesus was crucified. So they're afraid, and they're behind locked doors, but Jesus comes to them. 
He didn't wait for them to come to him. He came to them. And in verse 19, it says that they were behind locked doors because they were afraid of the authorities. But it says that Jesus came and stood. I love that scripture because they are locked in a room and Jesus comes walking through the wall. And he stands among them. He comes to them. Now, a couple of things about this. It's late. He, he, he rose early in the morning. It's late in the evening. These guys have had an emotional week. They're thinking the kingdom's about ready to be uh, implemented, a physical kingdom. They're going to overthrow Rome. None of that happens. Jesus is crucified. Their leader is put in a borrowed tomb. The tomb was borrowed because he wouldn't need it long, right? We, we, we get that. And, and, and they've had this emotional week. It's late at night. And you got to think that since it's late in the evening that they were probably really, really tired, but they were too upset to sleep. How many of you have ever been really tired but too upset to sleep? Come on, you've been there before. The rest of you are lying. We've been there before. They're, they're tired, but they're so upset they can't sleep. And Jesus shows up, and he finds them hiding. And not only are they hiding, they're, they're tired. That's never a good combination. When you are fearful and tired, that's a bad thing. Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, he made a statement one time. He said, fatigue makes cowards of all of us. And I find that interesting. Not only are they tired and afraid, they're behind locked doors. Now, we know that we put locks on doors to keep people out, right? But locks on doors in their situation also box them in. The question I have for you this morning is, who have you locked out of your life? Some of us, through our shame, guilt, condemnation, and fear, we are locking God out of our lives. Now, another fact about this is, is when Jesus first showed up, they didn't recognize him. And that's hard to believe. They walked with him every day for three and a half years, and it's only been three days since he was crucified, and Jesus shows up. They don't recognize him. Why? They were not expecting him. And we can judge them for not expecting Jesus to show up, but how many times does that happen in our lives when God shows up in situations and in circumstances and we don't recognize God in those things because we're not expecting God to change anything? How often does God show up and, and he's coming to us, but we don't recognize the fact that he is there ready to change our, our, our circumstance? So he came to them. Secondly, he encouraged them. He encouraged them. God wants to encourage you. If you find yourself on empty, God wants to encourage you. The very first thing Jesus said to his followers in this room that's locked up, he says, peace be with you. You know what he's really saying? Hey, guys, you need to chill out, take a deep breath, relax. I've got it handled. That whole death, hell, sin, grave stuff, I, I kind of conquered that. Everything's going to be all right. So I need you to chill out, relax, and understand I've got it handled. He, he spoke peace over them. He encouraged them, even though he could. Not only do I love what he said, like he encouraged, I love what he didn't say. Because think about this. For three and a half years, he met their every need. And when it was his darkest moment, they all left. He could have said, why did you guys abandon me? I poured into you. I was there for you. But the one moment 
I needed you, you all flaked out. You all walked out. He could have said that, but he doesn't. Instead of doing that, he encourages them. He doesn't criticize them. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't scold them. He doesn't reprimand them. He encourages them. He speaks peace over their lives. Now, the reason he was able to do that is because Jesus understood their confusion. Nobody knows you better than Jesus. Your parents don't know you better than Jesus. Your spouse don't. And I'm going to take that a step further. Jesus knows you better than you know you. And, and with that, he understood their confusion. Now, confusion is a hallmark of running on empty. When you're empty, you don't think clearly. Jesus understood they were not thinking clearly. And so, he, understanding that, he was able to speak peace over their situation. Now, a lot of us, when we're going through stuff and we become confused, we think God doesn't care or God's not into the details. God knows the number of hairs on your head. You say, well, I'm bald. Well, he knows how many fell out. Okay? He, it, it, and if he knows that, if he knows that, then he, that, what does that mean? It means I can talk to him about the little stuff, the big stuff, the, the things that seem insignificant to others won't be insignificant to God. And so I can talk to him about anything that I'm going through. And, and so Jesus has done two things. He came to them. He encouraged them. The third thing that he does is he showed them his love. That's the third thing he does when you're running on empty. He shows you that he loves you. And he does it not just through words. He shows up and he says, hey, guys, you're not having a dream. This is not a vision or an illusion. Look, here's where I was pierced. He shows them his hands. He shows them his side and where, where, where he was speared. And the Bible says that when he showed them the scars, that they were filled with joy. Now this moment, what, what is Jesus doing by showing them? He's validating his identity. That's what he's doing. He's letting them know this, this is not a dream. Like, you're not in la-la land. This is happening. I, I really did get up on the third day. It's me, and, and I have a plan for your life. So he, he begins to show them that I love you, that, that a lot of us times when we quote Jesus going to the cross, you know what we all say? He went to the cross for the sins of the world, right? And, and that's right, but we need, we need to go a little deeper than that. Jesus didn't go to the cross just for the sins of the world. Jesus went to the cross for me. Amen. That this has to become personal. That if you were the only person who ever lived Jesus would have laid his life down for you. And it's a powerful truth to understand that, that he loved his followers so much, he was basically letting them know, I would rather die than live without you. I love you that much. It, it's awesome but, because so many people never really experience and never really understand God's love for them. They never really walk in that truth. And, and you may be here and say, well, that's great that he died on the cross for me. And, and that's awesome, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does that help me, though, when I'm stressed out? How does that help me when I'm overwhelmed? How does that help me when I feel empty? I'll tell you how it, how it really helps. When you feel unconditionally loved, 
What does that mean? It means God's love doesn't change for you even when your behavior changes. How many know there's nothing you can do for God to love you more, nothing you can do to make God love you less? His love never changes for you. It is unconditional. When you understand his unconditional love, what happens for you is you relax. Hit your neighbor and tell your neighbor, chill out. When you know you have a father that loves you, you can relax, you can chill out. Most of us, the reason we overwork and we strive and we perform is because that all of that is coming from a place of insecurity. We have this, this fear of failure. And so we're always trying to push and to perform and to prove ourselves, not only to people, but some of us, we're trying to do that for God. And so we push hard, we strive, we work, and what we're really saying is, hey, everybody, hey, God, look, it's me. I'm valuable. I'm worthwhile. I'm lovable. I'm going to keep putting, look at me, God, I'm, I'm successful. I'm performing for you. And, and we do it because we're insecure. We have a fear of failure. We try to perform and impress people and impress God. And you're right. You are lovable. You are worthwhile. You're successful. You're all of those things. But it's not because you're all that in a bag of chips. It's because Jesus is all that in a bag of chips. And he laid his life down. Oh, I'm about to preach. He laid his life down for you. And so when you really receive his unconditional love into your life, it changes you. And, and here, here's the truth. And, and don't take this the wrong way. Our guests, I love you. <laughs> Get this. God loves me and I like me. What's your problem? See, it's really cool when you really understand his love for you because when you understand his love for you, you stop living under the expectation of others. And many of us, we're miserable because we're always trying to get the approval of people. We're always trying to meet the expectation that maybe a parent put on us, a spouse put on us, and it's always striving, always pushing and we never get anywhere because what we really need to feel and experience is God's unconditional love for us. Jesus came to them. He encouraged them. He showed them his love. We're almost halfway home, y'all. Number four, he offered them forgiveness. Jesus offers you forgiveness. Now, this one is really important because forgiveness is a big re-energizer. There's nothing that will energize your life like knowing your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Nothing, nothing will, will take a load off you like knowing that everything's okay between you and God. There, there is just something powerful about that. And, and what you have to know, there's two things that cause our tank to leak out. Where we end up empty emotionally and physically. Two things do that. Guilt and resentment. Guilt and resentment drain our tank and leave us empty. The good news is, is that forgiveness is the answer to both. Forgiveness is the answer to both. Guilt and resentment are twin emotions that rob you of energy. Guilt is, I do you wrong or I do something wrong and I have guilt. We all understand that. What's resentment? Resentment's when you do me wrong. 
all right? And both of them rob me of my capacity to move forward. Both of them keep me locked on empty and stuck in my past. Now, because we live in a broken world, there's going to be moments that we blow it, we mess up, we got to deal with our guilt. There's going to be moments others blow it and they do something wrong to us and we're going to have to manage our resentment, all those things. And forgiveness is the key. Now, let me say it like this so that you really get this. You can't be guilty and happy at the same time. Some of you, you're looking for happiness, but you've never dealt with your own guilt. You'll never have it. You can't be guilty and happy at the same time. You can't have resentment and be happy at the same time. You have to let it go. So this story in John 20, it's interesting to me because Jesus shows up. They're behind locked doors. They're afraid. They're tired. All that's true. And then it kind of transitions over to Thomas, the last half, because Thomas is like, I don't believe unless I can put my finger in the hole. And like, I, you know what I'm saying? He's like, I got to see it and experience it before I'm going to believe. But tucked right in the middle of all of that is one verse where Jesus says, he speaks to them about forgiveness. And what Jesus is saying, it's almost like the verse don't fit. But what he's saying is what I just did for you, I want you to go and do for others. I have forgiven you, now I want you to go and forgive us. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, I, have, I haven't even brought up the fact that all y'all walked out on me when I died. None of y'all was at the tomb when I got up, and I ain't going to bring all that up. Your sins are forgiven. We're going to move on. You're going to shake that off. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and do unto others like I have just done for you. Jesus is saying, I want you to learn how to cut people some slack, to show people some grace, to be mature enough every once in a while to overlook an offense because you've been forgiven much, you ought to forgive much. That's what he's saying. Now, now and this, this is so tough because when, when you talk about this issue, a lot of us are just like, you, you know, Pastor, I, I agree with that, but I just can't, just can't, can't let go of it. You don't know what they did, and I don't know what they did, and I would be the first to tell you, you can't do it. I, I understand. In our flesh, we would rather punch some people in the face. It would just feel better. Like, God, just give me a couple jabs. Like, if I saw a little blood running out their nose, I'd feel better. Come on, y'all, don't be holy today. You know you think those thoughts. Just feels better, right? You know, to, to, I just can't do it. I can't let them off the hook, Pastor. I just can't do it. And I, and I would say, you're right, you can't. But in Jesus' name, you can. See, that's why you need Jesus. In your flesh, you're not going to do the right thing or even want to do the right thing. But when you understand how, how grace, gracious God has been to you and how much he's forgiven you of, it ought to be a little easier than turn to others who have wronged you and say, you know what, God let me off the hook. I'm going to let you off the hook. See, we're not even clapping about that. It's, yeah, that's the truth, Pastor. I'm just not excited about that. I ain't letting nobody off the hook. Put them on the hook. I was thinking of that coach. We let them off the hook. Y'all know that? Y'all don't know that. Psalm 32. Look at this verse. Happy is the person whose sins are forgiven and whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty anymore. I want you to circle that word. If you got a Bible app, you need to highlight that word. 
happy. Because what, what we see here is forgiveness is the key to happiness. Without forgiveness, you will never be happy. It's a must. Forgiveness, right relationship with God. How many, not only does that work in our relationship with God, if you don't operate in forgiveness in all your relationships, you're going to have miserable, unhappy relationships. Forgiveness is the key. And it's interesting to me that when we do it God's way, our tank goes from the light on and God starts filling our tank back up. But that's when we do it his way. A lot of us, we choose not to. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm not doing that whole forgiveness thing. I'm not coming to God to fill my tank. I'm going to do what I want to do. The problem is, is that when we are on empty, we are deceived if we think we're not trying to fill that up with something. If you are empty, you are trying to satisfy the emptiness. And some of us, we choose entertainment to fill it up. It doesn't always have to be a bad thing. Sometimes it's, it's good things out of balance. It could be entertainment to fill it up. But for some people, it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, one-night stands. All these things, what are they doing? They're trying all these things to fill them, but it's a part of their lives that only God can fill. And so it keeps them unsatisfied. They stay hungry, and they have to keep doing what they've been doing. Now, a couple things here. When we look at it that way, many people who try to fill their lives with something outside of God, do you know what the number one thing is people do when they are empty? Check this out. They overwork. They overwork. They work longer. They work harder. And you know why they keep pushing and striving and working harder? It's because when they're silent, they don't like themselves. There is something they're not dealing with. And so in, in, instead of sitting in the silence, instead of resting, because they don't like how they feel when they rest, they keep working until they just pass out from being tired. And so they overwork. They're, they're trying to prove themselves. They're, they're trying to keep from dealing with something on the inside that only God can minister to. All those things will never satisfy. And yet Jesus shows up to these 11 and he offers the solution. He offers himself. He says, I want to fill you with me. Look at this. This is number five. The fifth thing he did. He fills you with his presence. The fifth thing he does is that he fills you with his presence. Now, he, he said to them in, in John 20, 22, it says, Jesus breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I love this verse because Jesus had also told them, it's better that I go away because if I go away, I can send another comfort. I don't want to just be with you. I want to be in you. Now, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, especially on Easter, and we got a lot of guests, a lot of people are like, oh, no. We're going spooky stuff. <laughs> this is where it's about to get weird, honey. But we're trapped in here. Too many people to step over. <laughs> the, wh who's the Holy Spirit? I mean, what, what is the Holy Spirit? Does he make me a weirdo? No. He makes you awesome. But we miss it because we think 
The Holy Spirit's going to turn me into a weirdo. No, the world's got enough weirdos already. Don't look at them, all right? Don't look at them. (laughs) The Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. The Holy Spirit makes you powerful. The Holy Spirit brings you to the place that God originally intended for you to live before your life was broken and all messed up and you were running on empty and ready to throw in the towel. The Holy Spirit starts accelerating you to the destiny that God dreamed for you before you were ever born. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. We need the Holy Spirit. He said, I don't want to just be with you. I want to be in you. And there's there's two things that really stand out because the glory of God is a person being fully alive. That's what the glory of God is. That's when we know God, we got the Holy Spirit living on the inside, and we're doing what God has called us to do. A couple of things stand out about this, though. When, when you receive the Holy Spirit, when the whole, how, let me just stop right here and just ask some people, how many of you are thankful that God's presence lives on the inside of you? Anybody thankful for that? His presence is in us. Now, a couple of things happen. Number one, you stop being so lonely. When you have the Holy Spirit, you stop being lonely because you realize God's with you all the time. He's there moment by moment. I, I may be alone, but I'm never lonely. God is there all the time. And, and this is so important because the test of what you believe is not how you handle the parties in life. The test of what you believe is how you handle the funerals. What, what do you mean by that, Pat? I'm saying in your darkest moment, moment, what are you holding on to? In, in, in the moments when you lose things that are dearest to you, what, what are you grasping for? What, what is it that you're standing on? Let me suggest to you in those moments, it needs to be God and should be God. Second thing is when I have the Holy Spirit, I start producing His character. And this is so cool because Galatians 5 says his character, it calls it the fruit of the Spirit, is love and joy and peace. How many could use a little more love and joy in your life? Now, now some of y'all, you're like, nah, I don't need any more love and joy. I'm good. But if you keep going down the list, he gets to things like self-control. I know all of us can use a little more self-control. Y'all about to get some donuts on your way out of here that's going to change your life. I have a confession. We have donuts, and I knew they were going to be good. I just didn't know how good. Can I tell you how many I've ate? Should I tell you? Let's just say this week I'm going to be running a lot further. Last night before bed, hey, cut me slack. I had preached three times, or two times. I ate three of them bad boys. Five o'clock this morning, the alarm goes off. I shower, go downstairs. Larry Owens, he should not have given me a dozen. <laughs> I go downstairs, and before I came to preach three times today, surely I'm going to work it off. I believe that, Lord. Help me. I ate two more. I've already had five donuts. Listen. <laughs> Come on, church. Self-control. Let's talk about self-control while I'm binging on donuts. Now, On your way out, you're going to get those life-changing donuts, and you need to give a shout-out to Kayla Barkley for giving us the hookup. Let's give them a big hand for the donuts. And Man, it's just awesome. Woo! Now, so I start producing his character. 
okay, when I have God and the Holy Spirit in my life. Check this verse out. We don't usually read this one when it comes to the Holy Spirit and what he does, but look at this. 2 Timothy 1.7, the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid. Instead, his spirit fills us with his power, love, and self-control. Awesome. You need God's power to keep going, right? You need his love to build healthy relationships, and you need his self-control to keep you from self-destructing. God says, my spirit will do all of those things for you. So he came to them. He encouraged them. He showed them his love. He forgave them. He filled them with his presence. Number six, hit your neighbor and say, we're almost done. <laughs> so good right here. He gives them a new reason to live. I love this part of it because when you're running on empty, many times people who just feel empty, it's because they're not living their life on purpose. They're living without significance. They're living without meaning. And I'm just going to throw this out. You can take it for what it's worth. If making money is the only thing your life is about, you will, you will end up miserable. If that is your sole purpose, you need to know... Nothing wrong with make, make all you can make, but if that, if that is not connected to purpose, if, if that's not connected to significance, you're going to end up miserable because God made you for more than making money. You, you have more purpose, more destiny than, than that. I've met wealthy people who ask these kind of questions. Well, Pastor Chad, I, I'm wealthy, but man, I'm just, I'm not fulfilled. I got all this stuff, but you know what? I'm not satisfied. Why not? The reason they're not satisfied is because God made them for more than just success. God made them for significance. And so you got to find out why God puts you on the planet. All the success in the world cannot take care of a lack of significance in your own heart. You guys getting this? Yes. Now, check this out. We're winding it down. You may be here or watching online and you would say, Pastor, this whole Jesus thing, it's just not for me. I, I'm not saying there's not a God. I just, it's just not for me. You guys sit around in your little groups and, you know, you read the Bible and pray together and hold hands. and You skip over the hills of Jerusalem and pick flowers and pray some more. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just, I'm a man. I, you know, I need something bigger than that. I'm, I'm chasing, I need something bigger to chew on. I just, I got bigger dreams and all that. I want to address that mindset this morning because all of us, men or women, we all need something that pulls ourselves out of ourselves so that we don't end up living small, insignificant, and puny lives. And I, I, I want to say it like this. God's plan for your life is so much greater than your puny little plan. You think, I got these big dreams. In comparison to what God has, they are small. God has some big plans, and I'm going to take it another step. Serving God and following his purpose for your life, it's not for wimps. It's not for cowards. It's not for lazy people. If you're going to go for it, you need to know, as a man or woman of God, it's going to cost you something. It's not always the easiest thing to do to take your cross and follow Jesus and to do the right thing. How many of it takes a real man and a real woman to really follow Jesus in their life? 
It takes a real person of God, somebody with courage and strength to do that. So Jesus shows up, and these 11, they're discouraged. They're confused. And Jesus shows up, and they're thinking, I bet he's done with us. We, we did kind of walk out. We were not at the tomb this morning. We, we didn't go. We didn't believe he was getting up. He's probably done. And yet Jesus shows up, and in John 20, 21, it says, Jesus said again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. You know what Jesus is saying? He's like, I'm not done with you. I'm not. My interpretation, this is the Chad Dingus version. Y'all need to get over your little pity party. Yeah, you didn't show up. But I need you to shake off the dust from your mistake. And I need you to know the Father sent me and now I'm sending you. So get over your little pity party and all your little guilt. Shake it off. I am sending you. Let's, let's interpret that. If, if you're not dead, God's not done. If you're not dead, God's not done. And last time I checked, most everybody in here is still breathing. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, God's not done. God's not done. He continues in Philippians 2. God says, go into the world uncorrupted and like a breath of fresh air, provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. You must shine among them like stars lighting up the sky. Now, God's not expecting you to be perfect. He's just expecting you to give people a glimpse of him. Now, when you find somebody who is sold out to God, who's in relationship with him, who are, they're living their life in their purpose that God had called them to live, you will, you will find a person shining like a star. And the reason they're shining like a star is that most people live mediocre, boring lives. Should I hide? We're not going for the gusto. We're not dreaming big. We're not doing the big things God has called. We just live our safe, small life. And God said, I want you to light up the world with the light-giving message. What is the light-giving message? I was dead in my sins and trespasses, and while I was a sinner, Jesus died for me. How many know that is good news for everyone? That's good news for every person. Now, we got to finish it up. Worship team, come help me close this. Number seven, he helps you to believe. Not only did he encourage and forgive and fill them with his presence and give them meaning, he also helped them to believe again. And it kind of transitions in John 20 from him showing up to do all those things to this one man who gets a very bad rap. We call him Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas, we're really hard on him, but I, I want us to slow down because there's three things about Thomas that I really appreciate. The first is that he was honest. He was authentic. When they came to him and said, Thomas, we have seen Jesus like he's alive. He conquered the grave. Thomas said, hey, that's great, but I'm not going to believe it unless I have evidence, unless I can see it, Unless I can put my finger on, the, on where his hands were pierced. Unless I can see his side. And, and, and we were tough on him. But what Thomas was really saying is, hey guys, I'm not going to take what somebody else says to me. 
I got to check it out. And, and when you really look at this in the big picture, nobody was at the tomb that morning. So nobody really believed he was going to get back up. Thomas is being rational. He's being logical. Like, I'm going to need to see something if I'm going to believe it. Now, we have a, a, a messed up mindset in relation to doubt. And before you think I'm preaching heresy this morning, I'm not, all right? I'm not. I want you to know we're, we're always very negative towards doubt. Very negative towards it. I want to explain it like this, though. Doubt is a good thing if it motivates me to investigate it for myself. If, if, if my doubts cause me to seek the Scripture, ask questions, ask God what's going on, if my doubts push me to investigate, how many know that's going to turn out in a good way? Now, let me say it like this. When in doubt, check it out. Check it out. So the second thing I like about, let me, let me say this before I give you a second. If I have doubts and I refuse to check them out, that's not good. That's called dumb. That means I'm too lazy to find the answer. All right, my pride is getting in the way. Second thing I like about Thomas is even though he doubts, look at where he's at. He's hanging out with believers. This is so cool to me. He has his doubts. He's not sure about it, but he's still hanging out with the followers of Jesus who have already testified we've saw the risen Christ. If you're a doubter today, you can go ahead right now and give yourself a hand because you came to the right place. We welcome all doubters. This is a church where you can belong before you believe. Now, if you're a doubter and you hang around doubters, you're never going to get anything resolved. But if you're a doubter and you put yourself around some Jesus freaks, I promise you eventually God is going to answer all your questions. Come on, somebody. He's going to show up and show out. He's going to do some really cool things. This is a place for you. The third thing that I like about Thomas is that when he's faced with the reality, Jesus shows up to Thomas. This is the second time he came behind the locked doors, and Thomas is there this time. And he's confronted with this reality. Look at what Jesus does for Thomas. He doesn't say, you should have believed, boy. What does he do? He comes into the room and says, hey, Thomas, I know what you said, but look, here are my nail-pierced hands. Here's where they put the spear in my side. Go ahead, put your hand there. I want you to know that it's me. In that moment, Thomas could have been prideful. He could have acted any kind of way. But you know what Thomas did? He humbled himself. What did he say? He said, my Lord and my God. He, at, see, what does that mean? It means that sometimes, and, and I know God's done it for you because he's done it for me. Sometimes it's not because... Chad has operated in great faith that God should have. Sometimes God has met me in my doubt. Anybody ever had God meet you in your doubt? Explain that theologically. Like you didn't have all the faith you needed and all that stuff, and yet God met you there. That's what he did for Thomas. There's one other thing I want to bring to your attention before we pray. There was a man in Scripture who came to Jesus one day, and his little girl was sick, a father. And this father 
knowing that his little girl is going to die if Jesus doesn't do something. He comes to Jesus and says, hey, my little girl's dying. She's sick. And Jesus asks this father a question. He says to him, he says, do you believe that I can heal her? Kind of interesting, isn't it? Like life and death, and he's asking me, do I believe? That's why I'm here, right? But the guy responds, and he's like Thomas, very honest. He says, Lord, I believe, but help me with my doubt. That was his answer. Lord, I believe, but help me with my doubt. I believe today Jesus is asking every person under the sound of my voice, every person watching online, do you believe that I can heal you? Do you believe I can forgive you? Do you believe that I can deliver you? Do you believe that I can remove the shame and guilt and resentment in your heart? Do you believe I can do it? And I believe today, if if you can just muster up enough like this father and say, I do believe, just help me with my doubts, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to show up and do something great in your life today. Amen? He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Today is your day. I want you to stand to your feet. As you stand to your feet today, know that Jesus loves you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to give you meaning. He wants to help you believe again. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around. In this moment, I'm not interested in making a spectacle out of any person. But I do know that for some people, this is the moment they've been waiting for for a long, long, long time. This is the moment that God is about to lighten your load. This is the moment your tank's going to move from empty to full. This is the moment that you're going to, this is the moment that's going to cause you to leave here differently than you came. And I'm speaking to those as heads are bowed and eyes are closed that say, you know what, Pastor, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I have sin in my heart that I need him to forgive, and I need to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I want to do that today. I don't want to leave here the same way that I came. I want to leave knowing something is different, something has changed. If you're under the sound of my voice and that is you, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you throw your hand up real high and just hold it there? No one's looking. Just throw it up real, real high. Come on. Hands over here, several here. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. More over here, another one, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. Isn't this awesome? Come on, give him a hand. Give him a hand. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray with you. I'm going to ask every hand that was raised. After we pray this prayer, I want you to take just a moment. It won't take you long during our last worship song. After we pray this, I want you to take the Connect card or the I've Decided card. It's in the seat back in front of you. And listen, all you got to put is your name and and phone number. And just check, I made a decision for Christ. You say, why do I need to do that? Because what's going to happen, you're going to leave this service and the devil's going to say nothing happened. But we are made overcomers by the word of our testimony. You need to let us know you made a decision for Christ so that we can come alongside you and help you fill that out and leave it in your seat. But before all that, I'm so excited about this. This is why we do Easter. This is what it's all about. Jesus got out of the tomb so that your life can be full. That's about to happen. Every voice lifted. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, 
I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So today, I confess that I need you. And I'm asking you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you came, lived a sinless life, died in my place, but on Easter weekend, you rose from the dead. I confess you today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those people. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. You've got a praise today. Give him a praise in the house. While you're praising God, 13 kids and be kids have given their life to Jesus while we've been in here. Isn't that awesome? That's so good. So good. Very powerful moment right now getting ready to happen. Prayer team and staff, they're going to come forward. We're going to do one more worship song. We're going to open up the altar. If you need prayer, don't leave without it. But I'm so excited because the Holy Spirit has given Bethesda Worship a brand new song that you're about to hear for the very first time. This is not somebody else's song. This is a song God has given to this house. We're about to sing it, and because the title of the song is so cool, we're going to do what the title of the song says right now. Can we give God a standing ovation for all that he's done? Come on, church. God, what are we doing? We're writing music. We're writing music. A lot of music. Creating, receiving from heaven. We were all nervous walking into that cabin that weekend. When you know that God has deposited something on the inside of you, but you're not sure how it'll be received, that can be scary. Especially when it's uncharted. Because you never get the whole picture. You never get the whole puzzle. But if everyone's just obedient with what they've been given, if you bring your peace and he brings his peace and I bring my peace and she brings her peace, then we still don't have the whole puzzle. We do have a glimpse. And we get to see what God had in mind. freely in this moment. If you need prayer, our altars are open. We'd love to pray with you today. Give him honor. Live. 
lift up your hands Jesus is in this place What do you long for? Are you expecting? Patiently waiting For a touch of his presence Lift up your hands Jesus is in this place Yes, Lord, come have your way This face we your stage And speak what you want to say We're desperate for more We give you the floor Standing ovation Calling our sons Calling our daughters We can go boldly Straight to the Father Lift up your hands Jesus is in this place Oh, how many believe today? Sing yes Yes Lord, come have your way This vessel, your stage And speak what you want to say We're desperate for more We give you the floor You're standing Yes, Lord, come have your way. This vessel, your stage, and speak what you want to say. Come on, we're desperate for more. We give you the floor. You stand in every hand lifted all over this place today. Come on, church, as one body, as one voice. Let's invite the real presence of our risen King into this place. Lord, come and move. Praise so strong the ground 
message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.